Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first episode for 2023 for Sisters in Colour. My name is Christine Mudavanu, and I am your host. And I'm hoping that all of you have had a wonderful and restful Christmas. You spent good times with those who are nearest and dearest to you. Uh, you've set the pace um, in terms of relaxation, and you're rearing and ready to go with, um, with the new year. I'm really, really honoured to kick off. Um, the season for Sisters in Colour with a really, really uh, dear friend of mine from none other than the country of Zimbabwe, the country that I hail from. Uh, Rebecca Conerera is a business leader. She is a coach, uh, leadership development um, facilitator and author and all round superwoman, an amazing person who's also a mom uh, and really is here to set the tone for us about 2023 by telling us a bit about her business and what she does in that space. Rebecca, welcome to Sisters in Colour. Thank you so much for letting me sit at the table and contribute to the conversation for Sisters in Colour. And thank you for what you're doing. I'm sure that all the stories that are shared on this platform are really of great impact. And thank you so much for getting up early. I know with the time zones, it's a bit of a challenge sometimes because you're on the other side. So really appreciate you bringing your A-game and being up and early uh, to, to do this podcast with us. Oh, absolutely. Happy to be part of this. Um, don't mind waking up early. Anything that gives us purpose and helps ignite hope in other people um, there no matter how early. <laughs> so to share a little bit about myself, um, as you had asked earlier, um, so currently with what I've been doing, coming from corporate, I was doing a lot of coaching as well as leadership development, contributing to that, for example, the management pipeline, people who are on promotion boards, we had to sit in a panel to review that and provide a lot of mentorship as well for individuals who are still aspiring or those who are junior leaders and those who became senior leaders. So this came from my corporate environment. And then when I left corporate and decided to launch out on my own, um, I'm in the learning and development space where I consult as well as I'm a lead facilitator um, for different leadership programs. So it's an exciting space to be in and coaching as well. I coach individuals from a life and business perspective because um, before I was thinking I'll stick only to business and career coaching. And then you find there are a lot of life issues that do affect our business and the way we show up in our career. So that's what I do. And I wrote a book, um, She Keeps Rising, which is a book to empower women. Um, men do read it as well. So the great thing is that the, the information in that book is quite um, universal. And it also helps people to do journaling exercises. So it's a book where there's poetry, but then it gives you reflective questions for you to kind of ask yourself and, and kind of have introspection as far as where you are with your life. So I facilitate quite a lot of workshops. And one of the ones that I've been doing for many years now for thousands of people um, around the world has been vision boarding. And um, so that's been one of my favorite tools to share with people. There are many tools out there when it comes to learning and development or personal growth and um, as an inspirational tool for yourself. But it's one of the tools that I found which are quite practical and they're fun and it actually is of great impact if you apply it the right way. 
Now, now educate us a little bit about vision boarding. Now, we are at the start of 2023. You know, everyone's throwing out New Year's resolutions. You know how this territory goes in the first week of January. We all gung-ho to get into this. But um, tell us a little bit about this tool, um, vision boarding, and why is it so effective? All right. Yeah, when it comes to vision boarding, I think people have a misconception. I used to have a misconception about it. I thought it was about, you know, fad, it was new agey, and it was for people who just, you know, wanted to just draw pictures, cut and paste, and then come and hope everything happens. Then I realized actually it's much deeper than that. It's actually a practical tool. Just the way even in organizations working in leadership positions, we had strategy meetings. Most of the time, sometimes we'd have a strategy meeting before the end of the year trying to work through and trying to set the tone for the new year. And then working in marketing, normally you had a strategy to say, okay, how do we implement, what's the vision, um, the organization's vision for the year, but how do we break it down into quarterly chunks and then try to execute each quarter as we continue to adjust on the tactics that we're approaching in executing and making that vision a reality. So you and you and I incorporated our brands. We are, you know, we have to work on developing our personal brand, whether it's career or personal. And it's a tool that now you can now personalize it and say to yourself, okay, let me sit down and map out what I would like to envision or aspire to achieve, the person I'm becoming, the experiences I want to have um, in my life. And then by sitting down and almost drawing the big picture view of where you want to go um, is a nice way for you to actually kind of put your thoughts on paper and allow yourself time to think. Because even as leaders, no matter where you are, if you don't take time to think and have a big picture view of what's happening in your organization, it's sometimes very difficult to see, you know, from when the issues do arise or just to navigate to say how far we're making the progress and to achieve your milestone um, goals that you might have set for yourself but when you have a big picture view as well it's good to have that helicopter view to help adjust and tweak things as we go so the vision board is definitely a way to plan it's a way to creatively um, think through how you want to go about your, your life and you can start any time of the year by the way it's, the good thing is that we're all riding on that momentum of the freshness of a new year yeah. And um, all of us are optimistic and hopeful as to what's to come. But it's good to do it with wisdom and also in a way that helps you to make yourself accountable, but also have fun. It's yeah. a nice creative way, but it allows to, you to be inspired along the journey, to be challenged, but also motivated and, and disciplined because it allows you to remind yourself to say, where, how far am I? Am I going off track? Am I, am I off tangent? How do I readjust and go back on track? So it's an amazing tool, even for personal development, because as you go along your journey of putting down your goals, then you're also becoming a person maybe um, who's becoming more um, self-aware of what you're great at, whether you're a procrastinator, and then you try to counter the procrastination as well. So yeah, I think um, it's a great tool that's out there. There are many tools. But this is one of the tools that I found quite effective. And I think from a personal perspective, you know, I started playing with vision boarding in, in quite a frivolous way initially. I I love clothes. I mean, we all love clothes. I'm a girl. You know, <laughs> all of us love clothes. And 
I, it, and it's silly because I would literally look in um in a magazine, right? In Australia magazine, obviously. And I would look, uh, and I, I remember there was a particular blouse and a particular shirt, and there was this particular fashion blogger at the time, right? Um, and she was called Style Pantry, and I absolutely loved her. Oh, style. yes, I love her. You know, Style Pantry, right? Yeah. She's now morphed into another, she's rebranded. She's now, you know, using her, her full name for Lake Cape, and I still follow her. So she, I, I started just downloading things that Style Pantry had that, you know, putting outfits mm. together. And what would happen is within a week or two, either I'd find a blouse or a belt or something that was in there. And I was like, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. And it it was really that that helped me to realize, hey, this stuff actually works. And, you know, and the, the things that I put on there were very specific, right? Mm. Right down to the color, right down to mm. the size, right down to the style, right down to how I would wear it. So I would take wow. like a pair of jeans and I'd be like, okay, that top she was wearing, I've got those jeans, that blouse I don't have, that belt I don't have, but I want that complete outfit, right? So I would then take that outfit. So this wasn't just frivolous grabbing things. This was, and that's what I learned. And I learned this from Oprah as well, was the power of the intention behind, yeah, behind what you absolutely. do. So can you take us through like a simple exercise that you can do just to illustrate to our listeners just how powerful this tool is? So if I was attending one of your vision boarding classes, for example, and I was a novice, I'd never really dabbled in vision boarding. Uh, you know, maybe I'd heard a little bit about it, but wasn't really too sure. So what would, you know, can you give us, you know, a bit of a precursor as to what we can expect if we were attending a vision boarding? And let's just be quite specific let's start with if you were doing a personal vision board and then we do one if you were doing it like for my career and in, an, in a corporate setting so in the first example if you give us an example of you know how you would do this from a life coaching perspective and then we can talk about the organizational perspective next uh, sure so when it comes to workshops there's so much fun I would say it's an opportunity to check in with yourself so that's basically the intention is to allow people to just carve out time. And normally the workshops are not long-winded. They're quite straight to the point, but also interactive and fun. And so there's a lot of journaling. So I would encourage an individual to have a pen and paper and or they journal and then just kind of put things in categories because all of us, sometimes we do know what we want to do. We, we do have ideas of where we're going. But many times we are just so busy with life that we kind of park it in the back of our mind. Once in a while we do stop and, you know, talk about it, but we never really like invest time. So during the workshops, I set the atmosphere so that people can actually just be able to sit down and just focus on themselves. And having a personal vision for yourself is really just allowing yourself to hear your thoughts. What are your dreams? What are your ideas? What are your hopes? And then in doing so, I give them categories to put them in. So it's quite a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. We cover things from what's your personal goal or aspiration when it comes to relationships. So that's the, one of the categories that you would reflect on. And part of the journaling exercise is to just list any thoughts that you've always had. Maybe it is creating more experiences with your family, with your loved one, um, going on more trips so that you can create more memories and, and have more connecting um, type of environments and memories that you can share, especially when you go on trips. 
So it could be part of that where you're on the relationship box. And then other boxes can cover for your finances, because even for ourselves, our personal well-being is dependent sometimes on how well we can afford certain lifestyles. So for example, just the basic living. You might be feeling like, you know, I want, I want to have dignity. I don't want to borrow from people. I want to feel more good about myself, that I'm independent. And how do you do that? You start taking control of your finances and you feel that they are out of control. It's good to have aspirations for that. As well as you go now deeper into your health and wellness goals, what are your health and wellness goals? You know, most of us, um, we know that health and wellness is so critical um, for us, even how we show up at work, how we show up in with family or even activities. We want to live a long, rich life so that we can fully participate in the upbringing of our children, maybe with our partner. But in life in general, we're able to, to do more in life when we are well. And that includes your mental wellness. So what are those goals? Are you going to feed your mind with more positive reading, um, attend more sessions or workshops that allow you to, to, to get well? And then lastly, um, some of the activities would be for fun um, as well as giving back. So it's quite a nice holistic way of investing in yourself, but also being able to put things in specific categories that you can almost like, like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, you're sorting out all that information that you have and putting it in a structure that you're able to follow. By, by writing it down first allows you to now put into memory or to remind yourself what you have been thinking about specifically on paper. And then afterwards, then you get your magazines and then cut and paste. Because normally what happens is that a lot of the themes that are coming out from what you've written down allows you to now be more specific as to the pictures that you put on your vision board, the collage that you're going to build, um, or the quotes, um, or the words that will inspire you along the journey. So I find that's a, a nice way of actually working through a vision board on a personal level. Okay. Now, can I just ask, um, because in our culture, a lot of these um, ideas that we adopt around, uh, you know, personal, a lot of them generate from Western ideas. They they mm -hmm. may have some ideology in, in terms of our culture. How have you found uh, people of, uh, say, Zimbabwean origin, because you're operating in South, oh, let me, let's just say Southern Africa, because you're operating in that, in that bowel mm -hmm. of Africa. So how have you found, how receptive have our Southern African colleagues from a cultural perspective being to the idea of vision boarding for your life? In a corporate environment, I know that that would be slightly different, but in terms of their life, how has that been uh, been met? Mm, a great question. So I've actually facilitated vision boards across different parts of Africa as well. So obviously when you are a facilitator, you need to have that almost that EQ to understanding the environment in which you are delivering the message to. And I've done quite a lot of volunteer work where I did financial literacy um, workshops. And what I would end up doing is tying that up with vision boarding. So we would say, okay, now that you know what you want to allocate your finances, and this will be even to grandparents, um, child-led households, um, these are people who um, in the townships, so for me, when it comes to vision boarding, it's, it's no respecter of persons. It transcends beyond culture because everybody has a dream. 
everybody has aspirations and the way they translate their aspirations is maybe they talk to someone and then that person maybe puts them down, um, but maybe they talk to an aunt and that aunt is always rooting for them. Now it's one of those things where they're now able to write it down, maybe in their little book, their exercise books. And I think most children, um, no matter where they're from, they're able to draw pictures, they're able to see TV, um, movies, which inspire them. They say, I saw a computer in a newspaper and I thought, I wanna do that. So everybody is inspired differently. But I think when it comes to culture, a lot of people um, are able to, to actually embrace the power of having a vision board, um, no matter where they are. So for example, we all know Terry Trent. She was on Oprah. I mean, amazing story. She had a vision. She had a vision board for her. I know way was to write it down, put it on paper and then in a tin and then hide it under a rock. Um, so some of us, we will say, make it you know, visible somewhere. But I think all of us are doing vision boarding in one way, form or another, um, but maybe just not like in a facilitated manner. And when I facilitate, just allowing people to explore that deeper and just giving them that gift to know that they can actually allow that tool to help them even further than just maybe a few items that they might have written down. Excellent. No, uh, and the reason I ask that is because um, more and more, I, I sometimes I think, you know, our upbringings and, uh, you know, these cultural norms actually provide these limitations. And I'm glad you quoted Tara Wright Trent because her story is really, really powerful. And for those who are interested in reading um, her story, he um, it is in the book that co um, that's called um, Half the Sky. I have forgotten the Pulitzer's are prize winner's author's name um, who wrote that um, and so uh, and that book is a book about different stories um, of different um, of women around the world uh, and it's really that's where I got to meet her and she talked about her story and what I learned about Tara I trained her story just um you know, on a, on a small tangent was that was my first encounter with actually understanding the whole discrepancy between girl education. Not that I didn't know it didn't exist. Don't get me wrong. It just didn't exist in my microcosm, as in in my family. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, there is no planet that my brother uh, you know, is getting a better education or a better anything than me. If anything, I'm getting a better thing than him because I was raised in an environment where um, I was raised with parents and a dad who basically for him, uh, you know, girl empowerment was the thing. My father was not, you know, literate. He barely had um, high school education, but he valued education for all his kids and he did mm. not segregate in that way. And while you kind of, intuitively knew that at the back of your mind it wasn't um in the families that I associated with as in my cousin as in my friends in that that's why I say in my little microcosm mm. I did not see what she described and that's not to say I didn't know it didn't exist it's just that it wasn't in my in my face so when mm. you know reading her story it was kind of like wow okay there is this other this whole other side it was it was quite it was quite enlightening it was it's definitely enlightening. enlightening I agree with you even my mom I remember my mom she's such a talented she, in maths and art and she gave me a life story she says no I wasn't a, you know my father didn't think it was important for me to go to school hmm. and I've only got to a certain level because girls were going to get married and you're gonna you know 
And so part of it is where some people's also aspirations, they're not fulfilled because of those cultural limitations. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember when she was much old and married, and I, I know I was going to school, she decided to go to night school and further her education. And she was quite, you know, on the roll. And But it was just that beautiful thing to see her almost like to understand that, yes, that might have been the limitation at a young age, but now I am free to make my choice to still further my education. So I think yeah. for when it comes to even vision boarding, there are lots of limitations that we know some people are even forced to study a certain, um, you know, let's say discipline, and they're yeah. thinking, I did not want to do accounting. I wanted to be a nurse or, and now you feel like you're sentenced to life, to this yeah. life of, you know. And so part of having a vision is also allows you to revisit those childhood dreams and say, ask yourself, what was that dream? What did we say we were going to do when we grow up? And I remember a story of a friend where she actually went to school at 40. So she always wanted to be a pediatrician. Literally started back at medical school at 40. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? She is a practicing pediatrician. Yeah. She's and in why not? Why not? And then another yeah. lady, she started her real estate company and South mm -hmm. African lady. And she only started like in her 50s. Mm -hmm. And she became a global phenomenon when it comes to real estate industry. But she was a stay-at-home mom. She loved to make things beautiful. But she didn't allow that dream or vision to die. She actually still extended the talents and the gifts through the homemaking and seeing mm -hmm. making things beautiful. Um, so I think all of us have that power to do so, no matter our background or the mm -hmm. limitations. It might take longer. Other people, we normally, you know, out of fear, or just maybe just feeling like you're not empowered and we do give up on some dreams, but I think all these inspiring stories um, can help ignite some hope to other people to know that, hey, you can do it too. Even me, I had low self-esteem growing up, yeah. thinking, oh, I'll never amount to anything. I will never amount to anything. And looking at magazines, I would feel intimidated by these women who were like powerful and and then later on, bit by bit, I started like allowing myself to dream again, mm -hmm. allowing myself to hope again. And then I started, you know, like, let me go for that class. Let me take that course. Let me see that YouTube video. Let me read a little bit more on that subject. And then I found myself now gradually building up the courage to go for that dream. So no matter who you are, like you're saying, no matter the background, there's so many inspiring stories around us that we can be inspired by. And I think I think the inspiration is the key um, there in what you've in what you've described, because like for me personally, I had the opposite, which was, uh, you know, you know how you were saying girls were taught, you know, what's the point in investing in your education because, you know, you're going to get married or, you know, I'm not going to benefit from that. Uh, you know, I was raised with the philosophy that in a marriage, in order for you to be respected by yourself and your husband, you need to have a phenomenal education and you need to be able to hold your own. So, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and that was the philosophy I was raised. I was raised by. Interestingly, my mother, though, wasn't raised with that philosophy because she got married really, really young. So um, I guess my parents together cultivated a different philosophy about the, the hopes and dreams that they wanted for their children. And, you know, um, education is powerful, but I think mindset for me, has been the biggest thing that has the influence on my life. Because like I said, my dad didn't have, you know, great education. And I only learned much later on in life that he was 
probably what people might classify as illiterate by you know these um, standards because he left school at about the age of 14 15 mm-hmm. so you know he just had basic numeracy and literacy um, skills but for him education was really powerful it was really really important but why I come back to mindset he left the rural areas and he made up his mind that his kids were going to live overseas. So I'm living my dad's dream. We all are Um, like his kids were going to live overseas. We live his vision, right? We are going to see the world. um, And wherever we go, we are going to be able to look after ourselves and be these independent people and all of this. So, you know, my brothers and sisters everywhere, somewhere around the world are, you know, relatively doing okay, but we all live the product of that dream so you know some sometimes I go back to the rural areas and I think to myself if he didn't have that intuition to get out and want a better life I wouldn't be in Australia enjoying this amazing life that I have you know talking to you meeting amazing people but this was the dream that my father had for me and this was Mm -hmm. the dream he had for you know my sister's living her dream my brother's living his dream and whatever that looks like but his vision was always for his children to aspire to see the world and we have done that you know but I cannot say that that was initially you know just my vision and Mm. he had that vision for us yes he did have the privilege to travel to Europe much later in life when he was financially able to but he always had the vision that there was something bigger for his children and he passed that Mm. down with zero education right so there's something about intuition and that entrepreneurship spirit that I think you know we need to, when we're talking about inspiration, we need, when you're talking about role models and you're talking about people that you look up to. So for me, anybody who knows me knows it's my dad, it's my parents, you know, it's my mom and dad and the spirit that they've nurtured in me, you know, they don't have any PhDs or any of that, but the life skills that I learned from them and what they instilled in the vision that they had for all of us um, has empowered me to have the confidence that I have So that inspiration is really, really important. But I think one of the challenges, and I'm interested in your work that you do in that personal development space, is that parenting looks quite different, particularly, you know, as generation of generationally, you know, Um, kids don't necessarily always have that connectivity to to Mm. their parents. And I realized growing up later that, you know, sometimes the relationship you have with your parents is not necessarily mirrored in um, the standard every day. I mean, you know, as a kid, you just assume what's happening at your house is happening at everybody else's house. That's not the case. How have you found that, you know, um, as women of color, because this is a podcast that is talking about things that impact us as women of color, there's been a lot of oppression on us as as a global collective, right? Um, And so where have you found that, the women you work with, particularly the women of color, have drawn a lot of that inspiration from, because sometimes it doesn't necessarily come from your home. Sometimes it doesn't even come from the people closest to you, because sometimes they're the ones oppressing you the worst. Mm-hmm. So how have you found that as women of color that you've been working with, where have they been drawing that inspiration, that motivation, that oomph that gives them the ability to rise above Oh, yeah, she keeps rising, right? So mm-hmm. no matter what it is, I think what I've observed, one of the common themes is that some of them through the 
suffering um, that they've gone through, they find inspiration in that because that's like the breaking point. They'll see other people, yes, um, doing well and drawing the inspiration from them. But when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when they actually like are now driven to make a decision. I always say the discomfort almost like forces you um, okay. to that brink of that intersection of you've got to make a decision now. Either you're going to turn left or right or, you know, make some, some decision. However, what should pull you um, okay. forward is normally the positive light of the inspiration of something that actually empowers you. So a lot of the women that I've met uh, along the years are the ones where something they've allowed themselves to be passive in certain situations, allowed other people to write the story of their lives. And by the way, these people also don't have a clue as to who they're supposed to become. So in the end, they feel they're not living authentically as far as their dreams and aspirations. Um, sometimes financial frustration, you know, when you just feel like, you know what, I, I want to get break free from just depending on other people who actually are not there for me. So some of them, they draw inspiration to say, you know what, I've seen an independent woman who's able to pay her own bills, who is able to take care of herself. Actually, I can do it. Because some of them do work, but they have not seen or heard those stories. They will think maybe I shouldn't do it now because what if I get married? Then what will I do with that property? But now they see more and more women who are single buying their own properties and they'll say, yeah. well, I can save that for my child, you know, maybe for the for the kids as an investment. So it's no longer of should I, should I not. Even when it comes to assignments before um, many women were, you know, especially African and women of color from any part of the world, they also would make a decision to relocate on secondment. Um, maybe work would offer that. They would not even put their hand up because they would say, where my partner, my husband goes, then they I will go. Um, so now more and more are willing to put their hand up and the husband will even go with them. Even women of color, men of color, um, supporting their wives and saying, hey, I'll go with you. It's for three years. It's fine. I will let's do an experience of going to another part of the world and work there. I'll, I'll finish my education maybe while I'm there. And so I think there's more openness and collaboration um, within the, the different relationships that we're in, but also family support, sometimes family that didn't understand our dreams or aspirations. Um, once they start understanding what we want to do, some of the inspiration does come also from family members um, who just wish us well, especially those grandparents or those uncles who just see more for our lives. I think a lot of people of color are finding inspiration through family, um, through, from their struggle, obviously, or frustration of being stuck of thing, when things that are no longer serving them, then they're able to start moving forward. But I think at the end of the day, the mindset, like you said, I think the, the, some of the inspiration is really drawn from allowing yourself to learn, to be educated, whether it's not through a classroom, but from other people. The internet has lots of information mm -hmm. and it enlightens you like, ah, oh, okay, I thought life should only work this way. And now they realize there are other people of color that are actually um, progressing in their life. And they too can do it in their own way, obviously. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Now, we've talked a lot about, you know, your uh, personal development work. I just want to pivot just a little bit uh, to talk about what you do in the corporate uh, in the corporate space. Can you just take us a bit on a journey of the types of companies you work with and what are the sorts of um, services uh, that you provide to corporates? 
All right, so with corporate, it's more about the learning and development strategies that they have. So some of them are focused mainly on saying we're going to go take women through leadership programs, um, which are curated for them. And it might be um, a few modules, which are very well-rounded to help them with their personal mastery to their um, corporate um, presence, how they present in, in workshops at, and at work, as well as just the personal development activities. So there's some modules that I facilitate together with other learning and development companies. So I do a lot of um, consulting um, on that space, um, which is a way that allows me to at least leverage the network that we have, especially with women as well. A lot of the companies that I work with, they are women led. So it's, it's one of those things where you can see women making a difference in corporate. So corporate can be in the financial services sector, IT industry, um, as well as insurance industries. Um, and nowadays I do quite a bit with marketing, um, marketing um, companies as well, as well as SMEs. So I work with them on strategy. Um, so some of the work that I do is I help individuals with their strategy programs and their focus and um, how they want to revisit their strategy every year and also just to be accountable as to what their milestones are. And as well as vision boarding, vision boarding is, uh, is another tool that I still bring in depending on the client. Sometimes it's for team building um, activities. Um, so that's always fun. Um, but also it's team building with some kind of learning that's brought in there. So yeah, so part of it, again, is still in the people development space and, um, and it's across industries and then traveling as well to West Africa. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the clients um, call on me to, to come there and facilitate as well as the Southern part. So it's, it's a nice um, space that I'm in, but I'm finding that people do want to invest in their learning and development and it allows for better performance in organizations. It mm -hmm. allows for better performance in a, even if you're an entrepreneur by yourself mm -hmm. as an individual. I do coaching sessions as well um, with individuals who are working maybe with the corporate and they just need to understand how to position their, their services or how to deliver on that and have an accountability um, support team in the background. So yeah, so that's um, pretty much the work that I do. Oh, excellent. Now, uh, you mentioned that, you know, you have um, a really good footprint in Africa. Do you do work outside the continent? Like, do you go to Europe? Like, are you in Western countries or are you predominantly focused on the African continent? It's actually a global um, service that I provide. So quite a few now, I think since the pandemic, there was a lot of um, virtual sessions. I mean, like we're, we're able to connect virtually. Yes. So yes, I do. I've got clients all over over um so in the u.s um in europe um there's quite a few people that i got to meet um from europe and as well as um yeah it's, it's pretty much everywhere it's everywhere so i'm really grateful for the power of the of technology which is an enabler for us to be able to do so so some of the workshops that I actually run we can have an audience of like 200 people and they'll be placed in different parts like mauritius They'll mm -hmm. be in Zambia, you know, everywhere. So I think that for me has been one of the most exciting things that um, has been happening, even in India as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, quite exciting. Really, really exciting. Uh, so Rebecca, I guess as 2023 starts and one of the, the, the reasons I wanted to you to be one of the first guests was really because of the work that you do. But 
what do you think January should represent for us that we can take that has longevity and sustainability? So beyond, mm -hmm. you know, the humdrum of, yeah, New Year's resolutions, whatever, but, you know, what should we really take into consideration and hold beyond the two-week gym membership, you know, uh, I'll go for two weeks gung-ho and I better get that six-pack, you know, two weeks later, this isn't happening. You know, maybe I'm going four times a week. Now I'm down to three. By the time March rolls around, I'm barely there. By the time the rest oh of the year rolls around, that gym membership is just going. It's just, you know, lolly water. We're money. donating okay. now. We're just We're donating, donating money. We're just donating. What can you tell people that are listening as a coach, as an expert in this space? How can we actually sustain that? energy that we have this week into the 365 days of the year well 300 and whatever 60 odd days that are left of the year how do we take that energy forward um, and renew that and invigorate that throughout the year so we do start to get sustainable results you know um, when mm. Michelle Obama was talking and you know she's the book that I'm reading at the moment called The Light We Carry um, you mm. know she talks about consistency as mm -hmm. you know and um, you know we've all read Atomic Habits The Slight Edge all talk about the same philosophy of these micro achievable things you know what is it that you would say to us as an expert in this space that we need to really take forward to sustain that momentum all right i would say first of all live in the now live in the now with, with more intention so each day you wake up it's more just being fully present mindfulness is one of the practices that i would encourage people to to have because what it does, Can it you allows you to. Means? Sorry, Rebecca, to okay. interrupt. All right. So mindfulness is really a practice um, that's encouraged when it comes to being, uh, allowing yourself as a person to really be fully present in every moment, giving yourself the gift of presence. So, and we say today's a gift, and that's why it's a present. We call it the present and now. So being fully immersed in the moment. So for example, right now we're having a conversation. I'm being present in this conversation. I'm not trying to multitask and respond to some messages or emails. I'm fully here. And what happens is that the conversation I'm having with you is more impactful in my life when I walk away. I'll remember what Christine said yep. when she talked about some of the examples and she mentioned the title of the book. I'll remember it. But when my mind is a little bit um, spread across different activities, but my body's physically here, guess what? I miss a lot. Then I, I'm not as effective and I'm not really um, absorbing or harnessing the information that I'm getting at the moment. So being fully present, be mindful, mindfully participating in your children's lives. Maybe they come at home and they want to tell you what happened at school. Mm -hmm. Listen to that story. Give them your undivided attention so that as much as you're aspiring for your long-term goals for work and career, but as a parent, still listen to their stories. And normally kids are not going to sit with you for four hours telling you the same story. They're going to spend like five minutes and they'll jabber on. After those five minutes, the cup is full and they walk away, you know. So you not giving them those five minutes is going to be the whole day them nagging you saying, mom, 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 mom. And you'd be like, wait a minute. And then you feel exhausted at the end of the day. Yes, you I know that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like mindfully, you could have just said let me listen and half the time they and they look at you and just the fact that you acknowledged what they said 
is more than enough for them knowing that I, I feel seen and heard. And even the relationships or the connection that you might have with that child, the trust is built. So I think the mindful um, practice of every day being fully present at work. If you're working on admin, do the admin. Be fully present in that email. Don't try to, <laughs> because what happens is that you're now like delivering a clear message to your client and not doing, and then you've got more time to do the other things. So I think, yeah, it'll help build the momentum because now when you're fully present and you're now giving the best of yourself, and remember that's the best that you're offering the world of service mm -hmm. in your work, at home, in relationships, um, you're being of service and in a meaningful way, guess what happens? Your purpose now is also being fulfilled because you've got that aspiration to become a better business leader. You're connecting and networking with people more effectively. You get that contract maybe that you want because they felt your essence. They felt your authenticity in that moment. So I think building momentum for the New Year's goals um, is start, starts from being fully authentic and in the moment as you participate. And also just draw yourself back when you feel overwhelmed Allow yourself time to just ask yourself, what's the one thing that's important right now that I need to deliver on towards my goal? Because many people don't start because they feel overwhelmed. Just ask yourself, what's the one thing that I can do today towards my goals? And then work a little bit at it. And then before you know it, you will build momentum. So that's something I encourage. But sometimes you will not feel inspired or motivated to stay more, you know, audacious and like, hey, we're doing this. So discipline will come in handy. So on my vision board, like I always put a clock or a watch as a reminder to say, Rebecca, time is a limited resource. However, it's also there's an abundance of time for you to start doing what you need to do. So being accountable from a productivity perspective, um, so sometimes set the alarm and just say, okay, for 10 minutes, I'm going to Google information about the university I want to go to. Maybe the 10 minutes becomes 20 minutes tomorrow because now you've got a little bit more time, but at least you've deposited some action towards what you want to achieve. Yeah. So I think um, definitely um, keep time in mind as far as how much time you have and how much little time you actually have. So, yeah. No, that's excellent. And I think mindfulness is really, really um, a practice that I think, you, you know, we always think we don't have time to invest in ourselves and last year for me and I think that's one of the things I really have to work on this year because last year for me um, you know by the time I got to the end of the year I was so ragged you know I had stopped taking care of myself because I would wake up and just sit at my laptop from 5 a.m to 10 and it would just go and I have lower back problems so my back started kicking in I started working out less and less um you know my personal trainer was screaming down my throat you know and I it it just it was just a mess let's just put it that way <laughs> you know? like, we don't even want to go there and so this year I've sort of been like just taking a bit of time out like even this week I am working, but I'm sort of just mindfully easing myself into mm -hmm. it and really just also taking space to say, hey, hang on, I'm important as well. You know, mm -hmm. I can also, and it's okay for me to sleep all day and do nothing because maybe that's what my body needs, you know, and, and rather than sitting there and bashing my head and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, if I don't work, the bills don't get paid. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe it. You know, oh you know, my like, 
building up an entrepreneur's life. <laughs> But thank you so much for really coming on um, on the podcast today and really educating us about vision boarding, about your journey, about what you're seeing. And also, I love the fact that, you know, you've got a strong footprint in Africa. And although you've got a global business, you're based in Southern Africa, uh, you know, and you're doing this work throughout Africa. So I think there's a lot, there's not enough that's available you know, on the continent and people doing the kind of work that you're doing. So really, really applaud you. And thank you so much for taking the time to really educate us around this really powerful tool. And so for all of you that are listening, you know, vision boarding is not this airy fairy uh, thing that is out there. It is really something that you need to do and become intentional, be still mm -hmm. and be intentional. That example that I gave you uh, when I was talking to Rebecca about my experience with vision boarding actually happened. I can tell you that every single outfit that I put on my vision board and said, okay, I don't have this, but I want that. It sometimes it was, it was so freaky. I would walk into a mall and just go into a shop I'd never gone into before. And the top would be there. It would be on sale in my price range, because guess what? I put that on the vision board too, which said, I have a budget. I only want to spend this amount of money. And so this stuff, actually works and mm. um, you know even to the time of where I am today the things that um, I've achieved every time I don't do a vision board my things don't come to pass and then it's like oh why well it wasn't on your vision board or if I just put something on my vision board that has no intention behind it that I'm not really wanting that I'm kind of thinking well maybe you know that's kind of nice that my feelings aren't in it you know, mm. and I'm not really like, this is what I want. It it doesn't happen. It just yes. doesn't happen. And so that's, that's the other thing that I personally, um, you know, that's my own little personal contribution, not an expert by any stretch of any imagination, but that's my little experience and that these tools really do work. So Rebecca, if people wanted to connect with you as a coach and wanted to find you, where can they find you? All right, you can find me on LinkedIn. So it's Rebecca Canerera at, on LinkedIn. And um, so I'm the lady with the white jacket and you'll find from the description that Christine gave you, um, definitely um, connect with me. I'm happy to um, connect with you. And then my website is www.impactprogressconsulting.com. And um, you can always check out our website and then see what's out there for you so give yourself the grace and you know to go with the flow because some of the things don't have to happen within the year but the fact that you started the legwork or the foundational phase of getting to that so for example when I wanted to write a book I kept on postponing and postponing every year until I said oh now this is the time to do it I've got more time and I was able to achieve that. And um, that's how I was able to put author on my name. But I did put it on my vision book to say, I want to be an author, I want to publish a book. So I think for every one of you, just to encourage you that no matter what it is that you aspire for, it might take a long time, but still buckle down it. So sometime or later to get it done, make it happen. 
Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for those tidbits and those uh, really powerful uh, insights. We will put uh, Rebecca's details on our LinkedIn page uh, and you can click um, on her website and you can follow her and get in touch with her. We strongly encourage you. We're here and we're rooting for one another. We want to see each other succeed and it takes a village and part of Sisters in Colour is really introducing you to this village of amazing women of colour mm -hmm. from all around the world that you can tap into. These are resources, these are mentors, these are people who have trailblazed the way so that you don't have to, you know. So if you want to learn about vision boarding, you want to learn about you know how to take your life to the next level, well you don't have to figure it out on your own. You know, uh, contact our sister Rebecca here who has shared so graciously with us today so Rebecca thank you so much for your time and we will leave you to enjoy the rest of your beautiful day um while we are it's nighttime here all we can do is just eat and go to sleep now <laughs> for some for some of us but thank you so much Rebecca for your time uh I'd like to thank our sponsors Utana Consulting for sponsoring uh this podcast until next time on Sisters in Color when we bring you another amazing uh sister from around the world who'll be on here sharing uh their life skills will be on here sharing their ideas and motivating and inspiring you we will see you next time thank you